Welcome to the Estates Made Simple podcast. My name is Jenna Carvello with Guardian Estate Company, and I'm here with Gordon Vanderleek of Vanderleek Estate Law. Uh, I guess I should ask, is are you called Estate Law, Gordon? No, just Vanderleek Law. Vanderleek Law. My apologies. So we are on a mission to simplify the world of estate administration, and uh, we are very passionate about this topic, as, as all of our topics, and we look forward to having a lively debate and discussion. Yeah, absolutely. We uh, enjoy all the discussions uh, that we that we have. I think the estate administration area is ripe with a, a lot of topics. And today's topic about what happens between when somebody dies and when you get probate. We have some expenses that have to be paid and accessing funds. Generally, the banks will freeze accounts when somebody dies. Um, maybe Jenna, get into a little bit of the background. I know in your prior life working for a trust company, you had to deal with this, right? Uh, the practical aspects of estate administration and especially in the context of usually the very first expense would be the funeral home. And they come to you and say, well, this is what it's going to cost me. We have some money, please. And we would like to have that money before the celebration of life happens. It'll be the first question that's asked. So that creates that initial issue of accounts frozen and a funeral bill and maybe some other expenses. All right, so so take us through that as a little bit of background and we'll 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 maybe work through some examples and talk about some planning opportunities maybe to try to avoid it or let's start with the facts of kind of what happens in that circumstance. Sure, yes. So when an individual passes away, um generally speaking the banks do freeze their accounts to ensure that no transactions go through that are improper or that put the estate at risk. Now, I think there's a huge fear out there that, you know, when when someone passes, there's no money to pay expenses. What are we going to do? How are we going to pay the funeral, like you mentioned? What about the utility payments on the property? What about insurance? All these necessary expenses have to be paid and where do they come from? Well, even though the accounts at the bank are generally frozen, they still allow certain transactions to go through upon approval and, and, and discussion. So I think, you know, the fear is is out there that the accounts will be frozen, but it's not necessarily as big of deal as uh, many think because there's there are ways around it and there is some cash flow that's available for the executor to pay expenses um, as long as you know you're doing what's in the best interest of the estate. So I uh, yeah, this is a common question when people are planning their estates. What what is my executor going to do about cash flow? So Gordon, in your experience, um, what would you say are some common expenses that banks and other financial institutions typically allow coming out of the deceased account prior to obtaining the grant of probate? As a general rule, what I find is the banks are comfortable if they're paying monies to a third party. So I start with, they're not going to, it'll be harder to get them to give money to you for reimbursement because that starts to look like, well, Maybe it's part of a distribution, right? But if they just have to pay utilities, if they have to pay, you know, like let's take the funeral home as an example, they typically that's not contentious, right? That's that's a common, every estate has some sort of expenses. You know, you've got uh, the event itself, there's the disposition of the of the body. So uh, you're gonna buy a casket or an urn, there's a, maybe a cremation cost. You gotta buy a plot at the cemetery if the, if the body's interned in, 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 a, in a cemetery, then those are generally common and known expenses that are not contentious. Now, certainly we've been in some situations where the bank would go that, that they've refused it. And one that always comes to mind is, and it turned out to be quite contentious in the estate, 
is the funeral bill ended up being like $50,000, right? Mm. So it was a blended family and the second wife went in and wanted this lavish celebration and the kids were aghast at, what do you mean this is going to be $50,000, right? She just had this view of the type of uh, funeral that was there and in that circumstance ended up um, I think tried to get the bank to do it, but the bank, I think rightfully said, well, that seems a little out of the ordinary. So yeah. typically speaking, the bank, if they see it as non-contentious and a typical expense associated with the administration, the estate would likely uh, make that payment. A funeral in a normal range, I don't think would attract any bad attention or a refusal to, to pay it. Uh, so that's fairly common that they would exercise their discretion to pay the funeral. I find the utilities typically, if there's pre-authorized, those usually stop, but there may be discretion at the bank to let some of them. It's been hit and miss. Sometimes they go through, sometimes they don't. That may be the, the decision of the local manager as to whether they allow that or not. The other expenses that sometimes can be stressful to think about at the front end beyond the funeral would also be Canada Revenue Agency, right? If there is yeah. amounts, you know, we're we're recording this in or around the time of filing tax returns, right? What if somebody passes away right when they're owed some, you know, they have to pay some money to CRA or there's going to be penalties and interest associated with the, with the non-payment, well, the interest charges for the, for the non-payment. So in those situations, um, we've certainly in the past have been successful in negotiating with the banks to say, can we have a check for the receiver general? You know, and they, they're they sort of sympathetic going, okay, taxes have to be paid on, on that. So those are some of the expenses. And in fact, on the funeral expenses, what I find works best is to say, if the person has already paid it, get the bank to pay the funeral home directly, and then the funeral home will credit the credit card perhaps or re reimburse the person who paid it. There's yeah. more willingness to pay the funeral home than pay the person who paid the funeral. So they generally um, are looking for ordinary non-contentious expenses that they typically see on an estate and will limit it to that. It does depend on the size of, and the amounts involved and the overall size of the estate. I mean, if there's lots of funds in the bank, um, I think that affects their decision as well versus there's very little in the estate. Right. They may be more reluctant to say, well, okay, you you sort that out. We're not going to take that risk, right? Because yeah. let's talk a little bit about that and maybe touching upon some of the comments you made earlier. The problem is what if the bank pays something and it turns out that they shouldn't? They're really trying to protect their risk um, in ensuring that whatever payments go out of the account are for the benefit of the estate and, and almost a necessary expense to upkeep the value of the estate. Because for example, if they don't pay utility payments, the, the heat could turn off, the pipes could freeze, and the, the estate value decreases because there's a, you know, a, the house is ruined. Insurance policy on the real property. So all those are necessary to keep the value preserved yes. for the beneficiaries. And so the bank really looks at that perspective. What is the risk that they have in releasing these funds? Um, or prior a to mortgage pumping? payment, right? I mean, mortgage if, payment, if so, yeah. in some cases, there's if there's been some arrears and there's threatened power of sale proceedings or foreclosure uh, to avoid additional legal costs, you might be able to talk the bank into being able to, to do that. One of the things that, you know, I think is helpful to talk about is I think what, a com what commonly happens at the bank's maybe without the benefit of prior professional advice, is it seems common that the solution for this is, well, let's make things joint. Put your adult child in joint names on that on that account. And in that situation, that can create, it may solve the problem and allow access to that money, but can create 
all sorts of all sorts of other issues. I don't know if you've seen situations where that has happened in the past. Uh, I know I've I've certainly seen that, and there's some problems associated with that as the solution. Yeah, yeah, and we've we've talked about that in prior episodes too. Um, joining accounts with an adult child definitely does increase the potential litigation in the estate and increase the the issues that can arise. So I would say, you know, when you're taking a look at your risk or your concern about what expenses can be paid after your death, really list them all out. What what expenses are you worried about? The funeral bill, utilities, insurance, as we mentioned, you know, typically those can be allowed through your account. So maybe your worry is not as necessary as as you think it is. Um, and there's ways around it too, you know, from the executor perspective. Let's say there's an expense that the bank will not allow to, to go through. Um, the executor could pursue some loans on behalf of the estate. I know it's sort of the last case resort, but let's say the, the property needs some renovations prior to be so- sold. And that's a huge expense that uh, typically banks won't allow. So you can pursue a loan to, to uh, fund those renovations if necessary. Yeah, I had a situation where we had to do a loan on an estate and we actually have that provision in our standard administrative clauses in the will saying authorized to borrow. A lot of people go, what do you mean they're going to borrow? When would that ever happen? We actually had a case where somebody passed away. They owned seven condominium. That was their investment strategy. They just bought condos and then held them for a period of time and sold them, right? And the fellow died unexpectedly had about $100,000 of liquid assets, cash in the bank, but the tax bill was about 250000 on the deemed disposition of these condos because it wasn't his his principal residence. It was investment mm-hmm. property, rental property. So in that, we had a an immediate problem because at the time, you know, for by the time we got around to filing the tax returns, the check to the receiver general needed to be 250, but there was only 100 grand in the in the estate. Yeah. So they were able actually to get a line of credit collaterally secured by several of the uh, of the condos, and they also didn't want to sell the condos in kind of a fire sale situation because the market was depressed. They wanted to wait for the market to improve and then sell in a timely and orderly fashion, mm-hmm. uh, which they ultimately did, and they did pay some expenses on the line of credit, but that was cheaper than having the interest accumulate with. Canada Revenue Agency, right? Yeah. And getting maybe into a collections situation with additional costs or CRA coming in and trying to freeze accounts or, or or do all those things, right? So they dealt with it in an orderly fashion by borrowing against the assets of the estate. So in that situation, sometimes, yeah, there there's there's a need for that. That wasn't the immediate one. But even if you have probate, there wasn't enough money and then you have to you have to borrow. I think historically people have had the view of this is going to be an enormous problem because probate takes forever. So again, as we've talked about, I think in prior episodes, there have been improvements in Alberta with regard to the timelines for the turnaround for probate. And once you have that grant to probate, you will be able to access those funds, create an estate account, put all the monies into the estate account and start paying bills. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're, we we used to measure it in in months and 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 now it's more in weeks, you know, for for probate. I mean, currently we're usually quoting in the 4 to 6 week mark for a turnaround for probate. It used to be 18 to 20 weeks when things, you know, a number of years ago were really bad, but with the new digital system, we're sometimes getting them in even faster. I think it's reduced the problem, so that's part of the message is don't it may be less of a of a problem than you think. Yeah. And there are some solutions where you can go to the bank and say, while I'm waiting for the grant to probate and going through that process, can you just pay certain bills? Yeah. The other 
situation where we get involved with is sometimes we have to get involved in writing letters. And we'll talk to the creditors saying, don't worry, there's enough money you're going to get paid. It's just we're going through the probate process. And most people understand that and would be sympathetic knowing they're eventually going to get paid that they might you can you can negotiate some terms and hopefully avoid any legal action being instituted what's in, in in terms of what's there. But sometimes you do get involved in the court system and we have to deal with that while we wait. But it's just, it's happening less often now because the probate process has been improved. So the point of all that is to say, evaluate the problem because the problem may be bigger than what it actually is. And your solutions of saying, let's use, you know, put your kids on title so they can pay the bills maybe creating other problems. So maybe we'll we'll put a, a, a link in the show notes for access to those other episodes where we talk more about about that particular that particular topic. So I, I guess the the message would be if you find yourself in a situation where where you're the executor or the administrator of a of an estate and you have these immediate expenses, get some advice in terms of what solutions are possible and do some negotiation. Exhaust those avenues first. You may be pleasantly surprised that you can get the cooperation with the bank. Yeah, I think that ensures the protection that's there for the accounts being frozen. Most people perceive that as a negative thing. I guess in my world, I I see it as a positive. I mean. Positive maybe maybe is even the wrong word, but it's a necessary protection because I've certainly seen situations and had estates where we have learned that the wrong person has attempted to access those monies. And I remember having conversations with a client saying, that's why banks freeze the accounts Yeah, because they want to know the right person is going to show up. And the probate process means you have to get the permission of the court. You have to fill in information, which is under oath and you're you're providing all that those assurances to the court in terms of the accuracy of the information being provided and you have to give notice to all the people who have an interest in the estate so once you get the order that means no one's contested it it means it is a valid will or the person has priority to apply for a grant of administration on an intestacy situation that's the protection that's why they're asking for that order not that they're trying to make life miserable for people who are administering estates but they need to know the right person is showing up and right. if they, what if, what if somebody shows up with an old will, it was revoked and, and they're trying to mislead the bank and gain access to the money, the bank could be liable and ends up getting sued saying you didn't ask for the proper legal authority before you had that money. So it may be something you have to talk to a lawyer about to say what options are available, but know that there are some options. And oftentimes we can manage that problem through some negotiation and try to elicit the cooperation of the bank. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, from a planning perspective, you touched on some important topics, really consider what expenses need to go through, um, put a clause in your will, the power to, to borrow. And then, you know, we, you mentioned when we were talking before the show is is consider prepaying your funeral. So you don't uh, even yes. have that expense right on the table. And that alleviates, you know, several thousand dollars of potential costs after your death. It, it is. If you want to make things as easy as possible for the for your nominated executor, you can pre-plan the funeral if we're talking about that expense. Uh, you can pre-plan it and then you can prepay it, which actually interestingly might be a hedge against inflation because the yeah. cost of the funeral keep going up every year. And if you're paying in today's dollars, assuming you know you're you're gonna pass away many years in the future, it may actually be a pretty decent investment, right? Uh, from that perspective. Yeah, prepaying is an option. I think a lot of people go, I don't want to part with the cash today. But if you have the resources, it makes it very easy. No one has to get a credit card out because it's been prepaid. You know, you can go and by the plot if you know where you want to be interned. So there are some options there that you can do as part of as part of the process to alleviate this issue. I think that's better than 
naming beneficiaries or putting people on in joint names. It just muddies the water with regard to what's an estate asset, what's not, and all the issues associated with putting adult children on on bank accounts. So prepay, negotiate with the bank, you know, see if the lawyer can be involved to to help get the cooperation of the bank to to pay or otherwise just defer until you have the grant to probate and then you have the ability to access the money and pay the bills in an orderly manner. And and most people will wait. I think the funeral homes generally want to have it beforehand. So that's the one you probably have to deal with. Otherwise, you know, see if you can negotiate extensions of time and then make sure you file and, and get that application for probate in as quickly as possible. And I would say also use a professional who's familiar with that area because some people say, well, I'll do it myself. And then if you make a mistake now, you have to resubmit and then yeah. there's further delays, right? So if you mess up the probate application process, that will delay getting the ultimate order and then delays you dealing with creditors, you know, the people who have to be paid on that. But certainly develop a communication strategy, let them know what's going on. That hopefully minimizes the impact of that problem. Well, just as you mentioned about the probate application, I once had a probate application rejected or or denied because I forgot an S on the word brother or brothers or what what I I don't even recall the issue, but very simple mistake and it it delayed the estate administration. So a lesson for all your executors out there, be precise as possible. And I I think that is a good summary for, for this discussion. Yeah. No, we've had those two. I remember a situation where a client came to us, they've been rejected the third time and then threw their hands up and say, can you help? And then we were able to get it through fairly quickly. It was a fairly common mistake. I can see how a lay person would trip up on it, but that's where if you go to somebody who's familiar with the process, they understand the current rules because the rules do change and you need to know what what those current rules, hopefully the a professional being involved in that capacity will ensure that the application goes through as quickly as possible because it, it you know you avoid those mistakes yeah well thanks gordon for the chat today and thank you everyone always for listening. A delightful yes always delight please feel free to subscribe on wherever you listen to podcasts and uh, check us out on youtube and we look forward to hearing from you and seeing you next uh, next episode thanks gordon all right you have a great day you too 